there's a fire truck parked here alongside the road and uh, there are four guys sitting there behind, well, one guy behind the wheel and the other three are sitting next to him clearly in talks about I don't know, maybe it's a a training exercise, maybe there was a a reported fire here and uh, turned out to be false alarm, who knows Um, they don't seem to be in a hurry though and uh, I'm continuing to walk in the direction of the woods for another walk during my my second week of my winter break. I think I'm starting to get the hang of this. It took a long time, especially the first few days of the new year. I constantly had that urge of doing something, making something, recording something, editing something. It felt so so useless to just watch TV and play a video game and read a book, even though, you know, all these activities are are worthwhile. But for some reason, I had to give myself some extra time to snap out of that uh, production mode that I'm constantly in. And, And this second week, I have to say, it's starting to sink in, starting to become easier to just let go of my usual routine, let go also a bit of the planning that I normally do at the beginning of the day and instead I'm spending way more time um, writing down my thoughts, journaling. Uh, Last week, if you missed the episode of the walk, I talked about uh, um, my new approach to journaling this year and in the second week I've uh, started to make some adjustments or in fact I I continue to to apply uh, what I talked about last week but I've added long-form journaling. And uh, because I miss that, I like the bullet journaling where you just use very, very short phrases or sometimes just even words to uh, jot down the tasks at hand and uh, thoughts and plans and evaluations. But I, I like to write. And sometimes when I'm trying to process what's going on, I just need long form. This is one of the reasons that I'm recording a show like this, like The Walk. I like to um, take some time to formulate my thoughts, to think it over, to talk it through in a certain way. And uh, you are my my very patient guinea pigs for this lifelong experiment of trying to not only share my thoughts, but by sharing also developing my thoughts. And, uh, and so this morning I sat down and I filled in all the, um, well, daily accounts of mostly of how I feel and what's going through my head and the things that I'm thinking about um, since the first day of the, of the new year. Um, I'm using an app called Diarium. So it's... I guess Latin for diary. <laughs> so it's D I A R I U M. I um, started to uh, do long form journaling using an app called Day One, which uh, which is also really good. It's I think only available for Mac and and iOS. I don't think there's an, an Android. Well, no, there is an Android version for it, but. Uh, it's a very, very small develop, developers group. 
Maybe, I think it's just one guy, maybe. Maybe two. Hey, dog. <laughs> a nice, fluffy, golden retriever who uh, is wagging his tail, and that must be his brother or sister or, uh, or friend. Because <laughs> uh, it seems to me that's the same, the same type of dog. Um, but they must have already walked for quite a while. They both look a bit too tired to, uh, to play. <laughs> um, so day one is available for Android as well, but is pretty limited. And in order to unlock syncing between those various apps, uh, you need to pay a monthly fee. And I'm trying to cut down on my monthly costs, as I think most of us are. We're trying to... Um, especially at the beginning of the year, kind of re- redistribute with the the various resources that we have, and so I try to always, if it's possible, pay a one-time fee, a lifelong subscription, or something like that, to not have those recurring costs. Because even though it's always just a few bucks, it adds up. And so, um, Diarium has the advantage of. Uh, um, doing cross-syncing between uh, a PC and iOS and macOS as well as Android um, without a monthly fee. The only difference is that you have to pay per app, per platform. So I paid for, I think, for the Mac app and for the iOS app and for the Android app. I haven't got the PC version. But once you buy it, it works. And uh, <clears throat> so I just sat down and wrote about 10 entries, just like free form, not overthinking it, not trying to write the perfect blog post, but just going back and thinking, so what happened that day? And then, of course, my bullet journal helps me to, to trace back the, the, the few things that, that I did find worthy of writing down, even though I'm not, um, I'm not doing that much during my, my winter break. But it, it often, you only have to know a few things that you did that day for, to trigger, at least for me, for, to trigger my memory and to, to also uh, remember more clearly what was going on back then. So that's what I did this morning. And uh, I have to say it's very relaxing in the morning to write down my thoughts. And, uh, and I even write down things like, that cross my mind, like, oh, I feel a bit restless because shouldn't I be working? I just write that down. I think like right now it's crossing my mind that I feel like I should be working to make this day worthwhile. But of course that's rubbish because I'm my, my duty, my task, my main uh, mission this week is to not work and to take a break. There's another dog who is uh, at, the, at the start of his walk. This is a very popular destination for dogs. <laughs> And it's actually it's the second time <clears throat> that I'm here because this morning I went out for a run, a 9.5 kilometer run. It's kind of a recovery thing for what I did during the weekend <clears throat> because on, uh, on Sunday I, um, I ran the half marathon and I didn't know I had it in me. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm more fit than I, than I thought I was. And so usually after a big run like that, have to take a break for a day. I took an extra day, um, and I'll tell you in a second why. <clears throat> but yesterday, normally, um, 
after a day of rest, you're supposed to do like a recovery run, super slow run of five kilometers. And, and then for today, I had another run scheduled for 5.6 kilometers, a slightly, slightly faster than yesterday's run. But I skipped yesterday's run and I combined the two into one, uh, what is it, a little bit more than 10 kilometer run this morning. It's nice weather. Sky is still blue and the sun is shining, although it's already setting. Uh, later tonight, we're going to have heavy rainstorms. They've been warning that uh, especially the coastal areas in the Netherlands are getting a, a yellow alert because it's not only going to be rain, it's also going to be stormy weather and um, uh, thunderstorms. So <laughs> that's going to be fun tonight because I have to leave the house for an event. Um, I'll get to that in a second, but let me first tell you why I took an extra day of rest. It's because yesterday morning, um, very early in the morning, I was sound asleep. Um, especially when I, when I do these long runs, like the half marathon on Sunday. Um, I, I just, especially right now, I, I feel like I, my body requires more rest than I'm used to. And so I was very much in a fast asleep. I, I think I was dreaming about something. Um, it was a dream where I was at the airport and I, I had to catch my flight and I was going on a long journey and then there were some complications and so I barely caught my flight and I was in the f- airplane and I lost my phone somehow. And I, so I was looking for my phone and then all of a sudden there's this blaring alarm and in my dream it was an alarm that indicated that the plane was going down and it was this siren and it was really panic panicky and I felt like a rush of adrenaline and um and then I I I started to wake up and I'm thinking wait a minute this is not an alarm in my dream this is a real alarm what's going on where am I what time is it and so I, um, I grabbed for my uh, remote control for the, for the lights uh, because I've got these smart lights. And <laughs> of course, when you're just waking up out of a very deep slumber, uh, I usually don't really know how to turn on the lights. So I've, 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 I've programmed a, a specific uh, uh, remote control for those situations where I can't talk to my Google Home uh, system to turn on the lights. I turn on the lights. I hear this deafening alarm. It's like, where's this coming from? I've never heard this alarm. And, and, and the first thing I thought was, well, maybe it's a car, maybe it's a, like a car alarm. No, it's much closer to this. It was deafening. So I groggily step out of bed. I open the door to the corridor and I, oh, it's like so loud. And then I realize it's the fire alarm. I've got a smoke detector, or it's in fact, it's a system of smoke detectors in the house that was installed when we were renovating the house. And uh, they are interlinked. And it's uh, pretty uh, advanced because it also has like um, emergency lighting. And so there was this, this spotlight that sh- shone down on me. And then I hear this, this blaring alarm. There's all red lights beeping. <laughs> as if there is a Klingon attack on the on the ship, uh, but then the other um, the, the other units in the house 
are linked via internet, they too were blaring. And, uh, and I didn't know why. And I, I try, and was like, is there, wait, is there smoke? No, there's no smoke. There's certainly not a fire. I went down the stairs. I was looking around. In the meantime, this alarm keeps, keeps going. And I check every single room of the house. There's nothing, nothing going on. And then I was, well, maybe this is not smoke. Maybe this is a, a lack of oxygen. Maybe this is some other type of detection of a problem. Um, I don't know. <laughs> this is a new house for me. So I, I try to find the manual and I, I and while the alarm is sounding, I'm trying to find the page where, okay, so what could it mean? And then I, I discover in the manual, that, no, it's actually just a regular smoke alarm. It's not, it's not there for... What is it? Uh, carbon? Uh, some other uh, nefarious um, substances in the air, or gases, or anything? It, it has to be smoke, but there is no smoke. So finally, after a couple of minutes, the alarm stops, and of course, I'm like super wide awake. I look at my watch; it's three o'clock in the morning. My heart is pounding. <laughs> my blood pressure is through the roof. And I was like, what was that? <laughs> and, and how did this happen and why? And, and I was like, well, maybe there was smoke elsewhere? Is there? I know that they are still working next door uh, for the parish, uh, the new parish room. Maybe something was wrong over there, but I'm not going to go in my pajamas outside to see if there's anything burning there. I'll see it in the morning. So I end up finally going back to bed. And uh, I'm like, whatever, I'll figure it out tomorrow. I'll just call the guy who installed the alarm and, and ask him what was going on there. And I fall, finally fall back asleep. This time, even deeper sleep than before. Because I'm exhausted. And then at six o'clock in the morning, again, the alarm sounds and it's the same like blaring sound. This time, of course, I was prepared. So I get out of the room. Again, I check no smoke. There's nothing there. Um, but I read in a manual that there is a button on the, uh, the unit that detects the whatever the smoke. Um, and if it's a false alarm, you can press the button and it shuts off. So that's what I did. And then uh, I go back to bed. <laughs> I sincerely hope that this is going to be the last time this night because it's, this is horrible. And uh, so I slept for, for another two hours before I finally got out of bed. I'm so broken. I'm just... <laughs> and then uh, I, I, I was, again, browsing through the manual and it said, well... Maybe there's, there could be some dust in there, so take your, uh, um, what is it, the, the vacuum cleaner, and then uh, make sure to remove any dust from the inlets of the, of the device. I did all that, and uh, <laughs> the rest of the day was just, I was walking around like a zombie. And I was already tired from the running during the weekend, and, and there was another event uh, that is that is linked to the reason why tonight I have to go out, even though they are predicting bad weather. And that is, um, that Sunday was also the farewell mass for Father Henry. Um, if you're new to this, uh, this 
series or this podcast. Father Henry is a fellow priest. We've been ordained together. Um, we know each other very well. And for many, many years, um, uh, he and I were part of a group of priests that joined for vacation because we, we have studied in Rome, so we have a common history there. And so every year we, uh, we travel and we spend time together. And by providence, I ended up in Father Henry's parish and he uh, gave me a place to stay uh, and, and a house that I could rent. And I'm assisting in this parish. And a couple of weeks ago, the news broke that the bishop had uh, accept, had asked him to accept another uh, appointment in a, in a different parish. And so he's been uh, he's been packing his stuff. And then this last Sunday was the farewell mass. All the other uh, church communities were invited to come together in the biggest church, or the well, I think it's one of the biggest churches in the, the town of Wageningen. It's a university town. And uh, and it was a it was a beautiful mass. It was really um, wonderful to see all these different groups, and and uh, they had made sure that every choir and group of young people and students they all had something that they did during during mass. It was really great. There was an African choir, and they so they did a procession uh, for the with the gifts uh, during the offertory. They did it in the in the African way, so it's like with a sort of dance, and they 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 bring the gifts, but they do it with a dance. It's it was it was really moving um, to see, um, in a certain way, the fruits of Father Henry's fifteen year long work in this uh, in this parish in this uh, uh, well, it's a, it's a um, it's a combination of of uh, about, I think, 12 parishes. When he first was nominated here 15 years ago, there were, I think there were like 12 churches and 15 communities or something like that. And, uh, and of course, uh, over the years, um, that was all brought together under one parish and one, uh, uh, one, one well, uh, he, he was the pastor of all these different communities and now he was the the pastor of uh, of this one big parish. Um, it was a very long mass. It was about two and a half hours long. <laughs> it was almost as long as uh, the Easter vigil, which is kind of the the longest liturgy that we have in the church. But of course, understandably so, because <clears throat> everybody wanted to uh, uh, to give something back. I think to Father Henry. And uh, he also made sure that the Mass was in multiple languages because there's also an international student community that he was the pastor for. And so they too were integrated. So the, for instance, the homily was like, was a long homily. And then we got the translated like English version of the same homily and it was just as long. So I think the homily alone was about 40 minutes. <laughs> and then of course you've got all the extra songs and then people wanting to say something towards the end. Um, and that was followed by a reception. And it was I was very happy for Father Henry that uh, it was a beautiful day. The, even the weather was good. The sun was shining. Um, I think it was a bright day for him. And um, <clears throat> I, I think it helps with the, the process of, uh, of, of grief, which in, inevitably is linked to... Um, to a departure like this when you've been working there for, for more than 15 years and Father Henry is 
was and is very happy here in this parish. He loves, uh, he loves his people, he loves his flock, and they love him back. And so that's always hard. And uh, we've had some conversations over the past months about that um, and about, about letting go. And I noticed how different his farewell was compared to mine <laughs> two years ago, where I, I, I didn't have a farewell mass or anything. I felt like I was almost evicted like that. Like one day I was still pastor and then the next day I was like, yeah, I'm homeless. I need a home. Father Henry, help me. <laughs> and so um, uh, it was nice and comforting to see that uh, there are these different different people in the church. And sometimes you know, my experience wasn't very positive at the time, I have to say. Father Henry's po- um, farewell is, is very positive, I think. And, uh, and, that's, and that's, that's wonderful. Now, there was one thing that Father Henry said uh, in his homily that really struck me and also helped me a bit with my own process of, of mourning and uh, grieving over uh, the fact that um, I had to let go of my previous parish. And, and also my social circle, because I, I lived there also for... Actually, I, I'd been in Amersfoort for longer than Father Henry has been here, because he, he has also worked in Arnhem uh, since we got back from Rome. Um, but he said something that really comforted me, and I wanted to share it here with you during this walk, because it may also help you in uh, situations where you have to let go of things. Um, it was the Feast of the Epiphany, which uh, um, in the Netherlands was celebrated that particular weekend. It's not everywhere. I think in the Vatican they they celebrate the baptism of the Lord on that same Sunday, and then Epiphany is is celebrated on the proper day during the week. Um, so it's um, it depends. But I think that the theme was very appropriate. It was, uh, of course, the story of the Magi, these wise men from the East that uh, uh, whose lives are changed and and turned upside down by their encounter with Jesus. And one of the symbolic moments in the story is they bring their gifts to Jesus. And the gifts symbolize their their former lives, their wealth, their power, maybe even their superstitions. After all, they were kind of like wizards or magicians in a certain way or astrologists. Um, But they kneel down uh, for in front of this child, acknowledging that he is their savior, they let go of their previous lives, and then the gospel story even uh, details that they take another way back home. Um, uh, I remember a, a homily of Pope Benedict during his first World Youth Day encounter in in Cologne in Germany where he explained this, um, th- that th- this, this small detail in the gospel is actually saying so much and their lives ha- had been turned around and their road, the road ahead is no longer the same because their encounter with Christ had changed their future and had, had uh, traced them a new itinerary through life. And I always remembered that as a beautiful... Um, meditation on how much the encounter with Jesus changes you and changes your ways. And 
I think that Father Henry beautifully combined that with his own departure. And um, of course he shared his, his own sadness that he had to let go of these people. Um, but he said, this is, this is part of following Christ, is that sometimes your, your journey will change and you will have to let go of what you thought you had. And, and even the, your treasures, like <laughs> the Magi give their possessions to Jesus. And in Father Henry's case, he, he was returning the, what is most precious in his life, and that is the work that he had done and the people and the friends that he had uh, found in this parish and the love that he received as a pastor and the prayers and everything. And so he choked up during the homily, uh, obviously, because it's, it's for a priest. We don't have a family. We don't have, we're not married. We don't have children uh, or grandchildren. For us, the people that we, that we herd in a certain way, that we take care of, that's our family. And so it's, of course, the family is bigger than just one parish or one region. But at the same time, we're, we're human. <laughs> so we know the people that we have and we, we need those very concrete relationships to feed our social life our, and also our spiritual life. Friendships are, are very hard to, to trade in or to give back uh, because you feel it's part of you. It's part, these people have made you who you are. And yet, Father Henry was asked to let it go, which is very difficult, especially for uh, um, a self-admitted uh, micromanager. It's something he mentioned at the beginning of his homily, that uh, he, uh, he was often told by his parishioners that he uh, should let go of things, and he always wanted to be in control, uh, which, of course, makes it even harder that you have to let go. You know what you have and what you've built up. And the people there in church are, are part of the, the harvest in a certain way. He invested in, in multiple generations there and, and you saw the fruits of that investment in those, what is it, 700 people that were, uh, were present there that morning. Um, and yet, it's not ours it's not uh it's not our property and and letting go is difficult but then what helped father henry uh, was to connect it with the gospel of the epiphany he said because it's more than just letting go it's it's deeper than that if you approach it from uh, a perspective of faith you're not just dropping things like I'm just like, yeah, I'm out of here and farewell. No, you're handing it over. This is what the Magi do. It's not just that they quit their life and then that's it and they begin anew. It's like a reboot. No, they bring their former lives and everything that they've done and that they've gathered, even their, their gold, their frankincense, their, inc their myrrh, all their treasures, their wisdom, they hand it over to Christ as a gift. They entrust their lives to Him. 
And from that moment on, Jesus will take care of them. And, and, and that's what Father Henry said, and, and it comforted me. He said, this, this is what we are asked to do if we are following Jesus. It's not just to let go of things, but to, to entrust our lives, our past, the people around us, maybe even our enemies and, and the things that don't, our failures, to hand them over to Christ, knowing that ultimately everything is his and he will take care of it. And if we bring it as an offer to him, he will make sure that it's not discarded, that it's not destroyed, that it's not lost, but he will continue to nurture what's good in there and he will make it grow. And uh, it's like handing over, this is my reflection, uh, if you've been uh, uh, growing plants, I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm currently doing in my, uh, in my room, in my living room. I, um, I've got a little uh, um, uh, plant station for, uh, for basil. So I'm growing my own basil from a tiny little plant that was almost dead. I, and uh, I, um, I nurtured the, the, the few parts of that plant that were still okay. And I, I put them in water. And then for weeks, I waited until a few uh, roots were starting to emerge. And then I waited some more and I waited some more. And now, finally, when they, when they had enough roots, I planted them in... Uh, new soil, like enriched soil, and then I started to I, to nurture them, give give them water uh, two or three times a week, and and now all these plants are starting to grow and they're they're getting stronger. But what if I go on vacation? These plants will die, so I would have to hand them over to someone who would then continue to feed these plants. This is kind of a metaphor for um, a process where all of a sudden your life takes a different turn and, and you have to let go of things. Um, what helps to deal with the, the pain of the separation is knowing that you can offer it up to Christ. You can give it to the one who gave it to you, knowing that uh, there is no one who t- takes better care of people uh, and of uh, the, the work of your hands than the one who asked you to do that work. And I, I was listening to that. I'm thinking, this is, this is wonderful. This is so helpful. Um, for, for more than two years now, I've been struggling, or not almost two years, I've been struggling with this, this rupture all of a sudden in my life where um, I, I couldn't stay in that parish um, and then it was just for financial reasons. And it, like I, I asked my bishop, can I work in the media for 100%? Um, and then I, I gladly assist uh, as a volunteer in the parishes. I will continue to do my work as a priest, but um, I would like to no longer be uh, fully or divide. I, I wouldn't, I don't want to, uh, to have to answer to two <laughs> to two leaders in a certain way or two um like i have the board of tridio that's the people that i work with 
they help me to discern what I have to do. But if I also have to, uh, to constantly negotiate with a parish council, um, it's too complicated and it's too much. So could you please free me up for this media work that is reaching so many people all over the world, which the bishop did. And then uh, I hoped that I could just continue as a priest. And then, well, the parish over there said, uh, yeah, since you are no longer working for us, we don't have to house you anymore. So we would like to rent out this house to a company or whatever, make some more money with it. <laughs> so please leave. And then the bishop kind of affirmed that or confirmed, he said, yeah, I, I want you to go. <laughs> and that was like, what? That's not what I expected. And it felt, if, for, I, I, well, you know, if you've been listening to the walk for a while, you know how much that that hurt me and, and I was so heartbroken about that. It was like, but I've been working almost 20 years in this parish. I've, I've seen generations grow up and now all of a sudden you just kick me out because I, I try to do what God asks me to do for the church. <laughs> Why? And, um, and for, for a long time, I think I, a lot of my struggle was in this, like all of a sudden I had to drop everything I did and that I found so so valuable, and I lost all the all the people that I've gotten to know there, and my parishioners, and um, and now while listening to Father Henry's homily, I was like, but I can entrust all that work and all these people and all my friends there. I can entrust them to the Lord. They were not mine to begin with, but I can hand them over knowing that Jesus is their shepherd and he will not walk away. They can't kick him out. <laughs> and that was, I don't know, it's so obvious. And yet, this past Sunday, it was a brand new insight. It's like, that's, that's it. That's, now I can, I can let it go because I know that I've handed it over to, to Jesus. And it's okay now. Because he's going to take care of that. And I'm no longer responsible for this. Um, he is. And then I continue to think, well, in a way, that applies to a lot of things in life. Where um, at the beginning of this year, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, where to best invest my time and effort. And um, you've heard me struggle with that and also reflect on that well what what would be the what is giving what is a, a, the best the best answer to my vocation as a priest in the media um am i go, just going to continue to do what i've always done um i can't it's too much and a lot of what i do um eats up all my energy and it feels so um so fleeting because it's very reactive it's like the stuff that i do on social media um it's it, i love it but if it's just that it is here today and gone tomorrow um and so the most my my greatest joy is in filming and in traveling and meeting new people 
and learning from these experiences and then sharing that. So if I want to do that and I want to give that a structural place in my life this new year, I have to let go of other stuff. It doesn't mean that I won't do anything, but it would mean that, for instance, TikTok, I love doing that. Uh, watching anime, doing some commentary videos. But for, for a while I thought, that is, that is my thing. I'm going to specialize in that. I need to come up with uh, ways to make that sustainable. And I realized I can do that, but it would mean that I have to let go of everything else. So, no, I, I want to prioritize the documentaries and the filming because I feel that I can tell stories there that will last for years. And it's, it's also what's, I think, uh, helping me to deploy my, my, uh, my talents to the max. But then I can always do it as a side thing, just because, out of fun, but not because I have to, not with that like pressure, like it has to be always a 10 out of 10 and I got to do it. I got to make new videos every single day. I've got to figure out ways to monetize it, etc. No, it's just something I, I like to do. I do it when I can. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the story, the visual storytelling in documentaries, because I believe that that is what I do best. Um, and then I, I feel that, that that story of the Magi and Father Henry's own thoughts um, helped me to free myself for that and to say, well, you know what? It doesn't mean that I'm walking away from uh, the people that I've gotten to know on TikTok, even though it's still very superficial, but nevertheless, there are a couple of million people that have watched my videos and have at least some kind of connection to, uh, to me as a priest. But I'm not abandoning them. I'm, I'm entrusting them to Jesus. I do what I can. And he will take care of the rest. I don't have to uh, worry that if I don't do TikTok videos or YouTube shorts or whatever, or comment on every single episode of uh, the, the, the latest Star Wars thing, that these people will now miss that <laughs> aspect of faith in their lives no uh, I every day I can pray for them I can entrust them to to Jesus and if there is something that God wants me to do for these people I'm sure that he will let me know and that things will open up and opportunities will arise and uh, he will make it work but I can let go of all these things that I feel like, but, but, but I know how to do these things and I do them very well and it's successful. And, um, because that's not what my life is about. I'm not the master of the harvest. I am the sower or one of the sowers. I'm just there in this huge, huge field of social media. And I plant little seeds, some here, some there. Um, but it's not about mass production. <laughs> it's about creating these little flower beds and maybe do a tiny vineyard here and there. And that's okay. That's enough. Because I am not the master of the vineyard either. And I'm not the only person working in that vineyard. And so I pray for 
the, for the people that I encounter, that God may help them grow and bear fruit. But I also pray every day that he may send more people into the vineyards of the social media to, to sow, to nurture, and maybe also to harvest. But it's, I can hand that over because it's not just my responsibility. So that's the kind of uh, spiritual attitude that I think is, at least for me, super comforting. Knowing that uh, I, can, I can follow these intuitions and I don't have to worry about not doing enough or maybe like choosing the wrong focus or anything. Um, if I'm heading in the wrong direction, I know that God has so many ways in which he can let me know that he wants me to walk in a different direction. But if there is no indication that God wants to change the path, I will just continue uh, on the road that I've chosen. And that's liberating. And that's even joyful because now I don't have to worry that I spend two weeks just watching some TV and playing Zelda Breath of the Wild and cleaning up the house and I'm doing some chores that I've not been able to do for a long time and cleaning out some of the closets in the hobby room. Um, I'm going to set up uh, a scanning, a temporary scanning station to get rid of all the paperwork. Um, it's stuff that, you know, is not impacting anyone except for me. <laughs> But that's not a problem because I am currently, my duty right now is to, is to recharge and to learn, to learn to let go, to learn to trust that even though <laughs> I am not doing what I usually do, God will make sure that the world keeps turning and he is going to shepherd the people that he, uh, that he loves. And so it's okay for the apostles to sometimes just take some rest. And I feel that that is, that is what I've learned this week. And what I discover is okay. Just hand it over. Uh, I can step out of all the busyness of life because ultimately I'm just one of the many contributors to what Jesus is trying to accomplish. I'm going to leave the busy road behind me and head back into the forest and uh, walk back home. Sun is setting. So tonight, um, it's literally the last supper with Father Henry. <laughs> he, uh, his um, parish council invited uh, the, uh, the other priests and uh, some of the volunteers to join Father Henry and them for, um, for a dinner at a restaurant and uh, this morning the moving company actually cleared out the house and uh, I uh, w when I was running I ran first to Wageningen to take a look and I saw this huge truck um, and they were they had a like a a lift uh, against the because Father Henry's uh, study is on the first floor and so they created a lift to get all the furniture out and it looked like a massive operation 
And uh, so then right now, I assume the house is now empty. Except for Father Eric, who still lives there uh, for a few more weeks because they, he is also going to move to another town where they are currently renovating uh, the rectory over there so that the house will be available for the new pastor, for Father Mauricio. But he's only uh, uh, moving in, I think, in the beginning of February, so they still have a few weeks. So this is the last evening that Father Henry is here. And uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's a bit sad, but on the other hand, I'm glad for him, because he too has, just like I have... he has trouble letting go of the things that he cares so much for Um, he's a a very hard worker I know few priests that work as much as he does often to his own detriment I feel like even though I'm only three three months older oftentimes I feel like I'm I'm like 10 years older I'm constantly encouraging him take it easy take some time just don't always work. Read a book. <laughs> you know, go on vacation. Let it go. And um, but he too feels like there's always more that he needs to do, and there's so little time. Um, but the other day he came over, and he said, "You know what? I'm going to move to such a such a quiet." situation over there there is one main church in the ta- in the city of Appledorn which has a beautiful neo-gothic church it's a it's a, a gorgeous gorgeous church and then they, there are four villages so i think that's five churches in total and there is a second priest there there is an indian priest who um um is a religious priest he came over from india and is now incarnating yeah, incarnated in, in my diocese. So he also works full-time in that parish, which means two priests for only five churches. That is a huge luxury, plus no student parish. So Father Henry said, it almost feels like I'm going into semi-retirement. <laughs> I don't know if I, if I will have enough work to do. I told him, you know, don't worry about that. It's don't worry about you having to try to find your your flock. They will find you. <laughs> the work always finds you as a priest. So you know what you have. You don't know what's ahead. But just trust it. God knows what he's doing. He's sending you there. And maybe, maybe if there is less work... And you don't feel that pressure of all these different communities that you were used to manage. Maybe that will free up some space for something else that God wants you to do. Maybe write a book. Or just not work. <laughs> just go for a walk and, and, and spend some time with him. And I don't know. Just live a balanced life and get enough sleep. Maybe that's god has in store for you you'll see don't worry about it and while i was telling that to father henry i was also telling it to myself like okay this this year i think the the dust has settled and i'm starting the year with with a a a different mindset a mindset of trust 
that um, I follow my heart and I know that what I'm doing is exactly what God wants me to do. I don't worry about, about income, about uh, the fruits of my, of my work, or the reach of what I do. It all takes care of itself because I'm not in charge. I'm not, I'm not the captain of this ship. I'm just one of the workers who is trying to listen to, to the captain who tells me what to do. And uh, as any good captain, he'll make sure that I do exactly what I'm good at and what works for his ship and for the rest of the crew. <laughs> and so I don't know how I ended up with this ship metaphor. Oh, it's because I just read <laughs> that James Cameron is, uh, is doing like a remake or like a remaster of the Titanic. <laughs> the Titanic movie is 25 years old. And he's going to do like an HDR, high frame rate, upscaled 4K version of Titanic. And I was reading that. And so that's probably why all of a sudden I'm switching to ships and captains. <laughs> and hopefully no icebergs in the future. Um, speaking of new beginnings, that's the final thing before I wrap up. Uh, while I was journaling this morning, I... Uh, I realized that I've been doing something wrong for, for my entire life. In school, in, in, in primary school, we were taught that the week begins on Monday. Because that's the first day of school. And so the weekend was like the last days of the week. And that was when you were supposed to relax, make your homework, and then... Go to bed early because Monday is a new week. And for some reason, that has always been my view of the week, which, in fact, from, I would say, a Christian perspective, is not is second best because you can also start the week on Sundays. In fact, my, my um, calendar app and the diarium journal that I use in the settings, ask me, what is your first day of the week? Is it Monday or is it Sunday? And for years, I've always immediately discarded the idea of Sunday being the first day of the week. Of course, it's Monday. That's when we go to work. But now I was thinking this over and um, it struck me, you know what? Actually, Sunday is the perfect first day of the week and it's wonderful that it starts with mass it starts with church because before work there is god before you are supposed to do your job and 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 check the boxes on your to-do list before that God's one, God wants to inspire you, wants to feed you, give you energy, give you some time to get ready. And in the Catholic tradition, even gives you the ultimate food uh, for the rest of the week, which is the Eucharist, which is the body and the blood of his son, Jesus. 
who has said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have life, eternal life, not just life here on earth, but life forever. It's the source of life. So it makes sense that before I start the work week, I start my life every Sunday with the summit, with the with a with a meal with nourishing my soul giving myself allowing myself to recharge and get ready for the week this is why mass the word mass comes from or refers to mission it's after, it's like the, the the catholic mass in latin ends with the the um, admonition ite misa est uh and it means go, uh, and we translate it with mass is has ended, but that's not what Latin, the Latin text says. Ite missa est, the mission is. In other words, you are now beginning your mission. You are sent out from this mass, being fed with God's love, to do what you have to do and what he tells you to do. And then from, from that logic, I think the whole, the whole uh, experience of Sunday may change. Um, I always felt like if, if Sunday is the last day of the week and it's supposed to be a resting day, then why do I have to work as a priest? <laughs> why is Mass taking up most of the morning and then when I still did the streaming mass, also, you know, the, the most of the afternoon and the evening. Um, how, how is Sunday supposed to be the day of rest after work is done? If you turn it around, you say, no, Sunday is the first day of the week. And you put some effort in nourishing your soul and, uh, and syncing up with, uh, <laughs> with the captain then you know that the ship is going, to, is going to have a good run that week. Which makes then Saturday the day of rest. The Shabbat in the Jewish tradition, the day of rest. So why don't I do that? Why don't I consider uh, Saturday the day where I, whew, I don't work? And it means that also in, 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 when I go back to work, I'm not going to work on Saturdays. So, no podcasting, no editing, just, like, I've got my little running group in the morning. That's fun. That helps me, helps me motivates me to go outside, to walk here in these wonderful woods here, um, to connect with nature. And, and then the rest of the afternoon, I can do anything. I can just go and visit a museum. I can go to the zoo. It's some time off. And then on Sunday... That's where the week really starts. I, I don't know. I don't know why I've never thought about that before. And maybe you're listening to this and you're like, uh, duh. <laughs> this is what I've done all my life. How, how can Sunday not be the first day of the week? But for me, as this uh, young boy who grew up in, in, in this pagan environment in the, <laughs> the area of Rotterdam where everything is very secular... It just never crossed my mind. But it's saying something important. That, that God is the first thing you do at the beginning of the new week. Because it, 
it helps you to realize that work is always secondary. It's important, but that's not where your life starts. It's also not where your life ends. It starts, it begins, and it ends with God. And if you give Him your heart, if you put your life at His feet, like the Magi did during the Epiphany, or when they received the Epiphany, because that's actually what it is. Epiphany, of course, is the revelation of Jesus to them and to all people, not just the Jewish people, but the, the people of God, the family of God is, is henceforth everyone who seeks him and is of goodwill. But if you begin every week with putting your life at the foot of the altar, <laughs> in, in front of the, the feeding crib, then you know that he will feed you in return and that will give you exactly what you need for the rest of the week. Thank you so much for the privilege of your time. Thanks to all of you that are supporting me on Patreon. And uh, I can't wait to, to start working in, in the vineyard of this new year. And, uh, and at the same time, I'm loving my winter break. We'll talk soon. Take care and God bless.